1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Betsy Brantner-Smith joining us live, breaking down police and crime trends in Philadelphia as well as nationally. And first and foremost, good morning. And we want to get to immediately, you know, the the tragic this is a devastating case of this young woman um, on a college campus going for a run and it becomes, you know, it becomes a death sentence going for a run in America because of the open borders. Hi, Betsy.
0: Hey, Dawn. Good morning. Good to be with you to to talk about Lake and Riley and, and so many other cases. This is, I know you're a parent, I'm a parent. Yeah. This is just every parent's worst nightmare. You know, she's an honor student, goes out for a run in in her neighborhood, you know, yeah. where she felt safe and uh she didn't return home. Her roommate reported her missing and they, they found her body. And this is these are the horrific details that we hate to talk about, but, but we need to know as Americans what's happening. She was uh, so disfigured <clears throat> that they are actually enhancing the charges against uh, the the man who's accused of killing her, Jose Ibarra. Um, you know he he there is a you know word that he attempted to disfigure her face so she wouldn't be identified. He bashed her skull in. He tried to hide her body. They're also charging him with interrupting a nine one one call. So apparently she was trying oh to call 911. And so, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely horrific. And it did not have to happen. He should have been deported at least two previous times since he got here in September of 2022 near El Paso, Texas. He was arrested in New York and he was arrested again in in Athens, Georgia. He came here with a wife and a kid and -hmm. his brother. And, uh you know, it's just so horrific and so unnecessary. Well, and
1: that's just it, Betsy, that we're, as we, and yesterday I reported on looking at Venezuela, that, that we know that uh, they have these very violent gangs. I know that our local police, the state police, federal police, I know you know a lot about this. They're looking for the certain tattoos but then you think of Venezuela these gangs they're known for this kind of I mean just horrifying violence. their crime rate as far as violent crime murder rates have dropped drastically as it looks like they're just heading for
0: america and and what we've yeah, done yeah. crime is down twenty percent violent My crime God. in Venezuela, and it's like <laughs> wait, what you know their crime continues to go down why? Because they're sending their, they are, we know, we're in the middle of the Mariel boat lift, uh, of the, of 2004. That's what's happening here, where, you know, it's not just Castro who's opening his prisons and his insane asylums as, as they, as he did in the 80s. Now it's, you know, 50 different countries are doing the same thing to the, to the detriment of our citizens. And to the, uh, you know, to the to the betterment of their own citizens. Great crimes down in, in Venezuela. Um, but it's up here.
1: Yeah. It, and this this trend, de Aragua gang. And we don't I don't know if this particular mm-hmm. individual is part of this, but there's a culture of violence. And you think about to your point about her being so violently you know dragged this guy and then they they've been looking at the surveillance images real, realizing this guy was a predator and was it sound by all accounts allegedly i mean it sounds like he was waiting and and looking mm-hmm. for the the next victim if you will she's very petite and and it's it's just horrifying to think about this and And we don't know at this point, Betsy, even if, let's say today, because we have both uh, former President Donald J. Trump right there at Eagle Pass where this scumbag crossed over, we have Joe Biden at another point where not many people point over on the southern border. But let's just say Joe Biden announces today we're going to shut it down and do executive orders and all of that. The problem here is what does this create for law enforcement across the country at every level with an estimated 10 million people who who have come across unvetted. So you think of 10 million or, you know, they're saying 7.3, but those are the ones they've counted. So let's say it's 10 million. So let's say it's only 2% of 10 million are these violent criminals or terrorists. How does law enforcement handle this?
0: Well, here's what I want people to think about. <clears throat> think about if every day you sent your kid to school – and you were assured by the administration that only about 2% of people coming into this school are likely to be criminals or to be violent. How would you feel about that? You know, it's only about 2%. This is a problem. We know that most people coming here are are not criminals, mm-hmm. except God. that, of course, they've, they've all been willing to violate our laws to get here. Um, but... What is happening is because the border is so incredibly porous, and because the border patrol is no longer a- able to be as vigilant as they once were, these people are coming in more and more and more. And again, it's something you know. It's what you and I always talk about: these military-aged men, you know, mm-hmm. just throngs of them now, and we see this more and more and more and more and more. And so, you know, because we have there, there are procedures where the Border Patrol is supposed to check these people for tattoos. They they are able to communicate with other countries and say, hey, we've got this guy. He's got this tattoo. What does this indicate to you? All of that. And, you know, we had we had another young woman, uh, Kayla Hamilton, murdered in 2022 by an MS-13 gang member who should have been flagged, but he got here posing as an unaccompanied minor. And we are seeing that more. And these these uh, criminals are getting in here. Some are just presenting themselves to the border patrol. A great deal more <clears throat> are circumventing the border patrol and and just slipping into the country, you know, unvetted and unidentified. So sadly, we, I, I'm i fearful that we are gonna to continue to see these horrific crimes and it's not just murder, it's mm-hmm. sexual assault, it's drunk driving. You know, we just had, you know, uh, I believe it was a mother and son killed by an illegal yeah. drunk driver. We have enough problems with our own citizens here, yeah. Dawn. We're already trying to clean up this country. Why do we want to introduce more and again, remember, they come here to suck off our system. Every person listening to me is paying for that. Is this what you want to pay for? Or would you rather help pay for homeless veterans and kids' meals in schools and you know whatever it is that you feel like you should be able to pay for, rather than people coming here illegally, sucking off our system and sometimes committing crimes.
1: Yeah. If you and I talked about this um, in late January, forgive me, but did we talk about the uh, brutal Venezuelan street gang controlling the sex trafficking in South America and then branding the young girls? I'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. the Trend de Aragua, you know, gang, as they're called, but now they're operating in South Florida and were linked to murdering a retired cop in Miami. That happened, I'll say, in late January. So they're they're brutal. They brand they they brand I guess they recruit young kids. Is that how it works? They will recruit kids and then they, you know, they tattoo you so that that tattoo means you're
0: like branded like cattle. They now own you. Right, and you cannot escape, you know. And that's I just I had a conversation with Mark Morgan, you know, who mm-hmm. used to run the border patrol yesterday. And and we we talked about it, we lamented that the, the human trafficking element, the abuse of women and young girls and boys, too, in this whole border crisis is somehow getting lost. And I think that if people understood exactly what was happening, exactly what you were talking about, there is not a person... Uh, In this nation that I can imagine would think that that's okay to have an 11 or 12 year old girl branded a mark burned into her skin and then sent out to do to do prostitution to be abused until she's no longer viable. In other words, until she's uh, too drug addicted too physically unable to do this to turn tricks. We are allowing this in our country, and we are allowing the perpetrators of it to to be here. And, and yet we all, you know, and, that, and that's the thing. It is, it, it is so sick, and yet we hear, well, you know, we need workers, and these people are just coming here for a better life. We have reached, we are beyond a crisis point. And let's remember, the president could stop it. Today. Today. All he needs is that pen and that phone and he can stop this. We, we keep hearing that he's saying, I've done all I can. That's a lie. And we have got to understand that we we could stop this. And I wish Republicans would get up on that bully pulpit every single day and shout it to the rooftops that we can stop this. And we need to. Our very existence as a sovereign country depends on it. It's so
1: true. You know, every year we have all these different Gallup polls talking about policing, views on policing. We've been through it. We've lived through the the, uh, summer across the country and here in Philadelphia. You know, all of the protests in 2020, the defund the police movements um, and the pandemic, all of that, and now trying to refund the police, our new mayor in Philadelphia, who's telling workers, by the way, to get back to work, has said that she's pro-police. But what do you think about, you know, the latest as you look at the polls and
0: pol- confidence
1: in police uh, rising? What do you what do you make of this?
0: Well, it's extraordinary because, you know, Gallup does this poll every year mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, asks Americans, how is your, not just what do you think about the police, but... <clears throat> You know, how was your, if you had contact with the police, how was it? What do you, you know, how were you treated? Things like that. 77% This is one of the highest that we've had. It said that their most recent interaction with the police, whether it was a ticket or whatever, was a positive experience. 85% said they were treated fairly and 84% said that they were treated with respect. Now, Gallup, you know, breaks this down. It breaks it down by race and sex. And and all of that. But but it is so extraordinarily positive that it gives us incredible, incredible hope. This is this is you know, this is why the National Police Association Mm -hmm. exists so that we can fight that false narrative that somehow cops are the problem. So I think this Gallup poll is showing us that people want law and order, uh-huh. and they now recognize that, gee, it's not law enforcement uh-huh. that that is violent. It's not law enforcement causing the problems. And, in fact, law enforcement officers, despite being shorthanded and vilified and demonized, are out there just trying to do their job.
1: And that's the question, when you look at this, and to your point, I mean, were you treated fairly, 85% yes, and going through the numbers, and, and I, we see this in Philadelphia particularly, that, that we knew that in the community, you know, when you think of African American adults, black adults, Hispanic or white, I know it's 90% for white, but Hispanic nearly 80%, mm-hmm. black adults 71%, so that's a little lower, but Were you treated fairly the vast majority of all of these individuals when you go through these numbers? These are very positive numbers. So what does that mean for recruitment? What does it mean for refunding and rebuilding police departments that were dismantled basically by disinformation and a false narrative?
0: Well, what this means, hopefully, is that we are going to see various corners of our communities who are having these, these positive day-to-day interactions with the police that we can go back to a time where young people are saying, um, oh, gosh, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I talked to a police officer when I was in eighth grade on my way home, and he helped me find my bike, you know, whatever. Um, that seems like a really good job. You know, that's how it all starts. And and and, uh, you know, this this is the thing. Unfortunately, in my native Chicago, they just (laughs) voted to take police officers out of the schools in the Chicago public Mm -hmm. school system. And it's it's so that's so frustrating because cops in schools. Yes. You know, we talk about school security and things like that. But cops in schools, especially in inner city schools. Are some of the best recruiting tools yeah. that that they are, and I you know I hope that in cities like Philadelphia, who again, you guys are really turning that corner on uh, you know positive talk about the police from your from your political leadership, and um, that that is one of the best recruiting tools. Very often, we either get young cops from you know people who are police families or other service areas. school teachers, military, things like that. Or kids have a positive interaction with law mm-hmm. enforcement, whether they were a crime victim, whether they were in school, and then they, they say, Hey, that's a, a pretty good job. And then I'll tell you, in most areas it's a pretty good paying job mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And so I would encourage young people, you know, if you're looking for a profession, not just a job but a a profession where you can really build a life, you know, look at law enforcement. And this polling is helping us kind of put our money where our mouth is as far as, hey, not only is it a great job, but people need you. They appreciate you. They respect you.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Part of the problem, I think, and how do we get around this everything gets politicized, and, and that's the shame of it. Policing never should have – it's not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. It's it's one of those yeah. issues that we should just all say, hey, we all want to be safe. We want a high-quality, well-staffed, well-funded police department. That seems like a no-brainer. Same with the border. So how do we get – and I'll tell you, Betsy, when I interview local police chiefs and law enforcement, I try to stay away from <laughs> – From talking about politics, you know what I mean, because I don't want to. I don't even want to go there to make it so that because I feel like it's it's just such a baseline issue. How do we get around that? And and part of this is the media reporting, as you and I well know.
0: Well, you're right. It should not be a political issue. Doesn't mean all Republicans Mm -hmm. believe in you know strong police. Doesn't mean all Democrats hate the police. None of that. What we've got to go back to talking about is our governmental structure, Mm -hmm. you know, law and order, this, this, you know, system that we have that I believe is the absolute best in the world. We shouldn't be talking politics, but whose responsibility is that? That is of the political leadership and, uh, you know, leaders, and sometimes religious leaders, obviously the media, the schools, you know, for every two steps forward we take, In talking about positive policing news, you know, we have, you know, a step back, you know, Mm -hmm. where somebody is bashing the police, you know, saying rotten things about them. You know, Mm -hmm. yesterday in the president's press conference on uh, crime, Don, it was I don't it was about three minutes into it where he starts (laughs) bringing up George Floyd. Yeah. And and it's like that, you know, here we're talking about all these positive things and and trying to reduce crime. And then he's got to talk about, you know, the George Floyd, you know, act. And he's got to talk about police accountability, which is another way of, you know, talking about police accountability now is just a euphemism for uh, saying defund and Mm -hmm. for saying vilify. You know, police want accountability. We do. We have accountability. There's a system in place and nobody hates a bad cop more than a, the rest of us good cops. And, but, but it's on the responsibility of our political leadership. And again, I go back to Philadelphia and look at, look at your mayor who made a decision when she was a candidate to, to, to stop the police bashing and start thinking about the safety of her community. And
1: one other thing that I think uh, the new mayor is focusing on, and I see this more and more, and I think it's a good thing, is these different police task forces so that you, in other words, whether it's a, a tactical unit, whether now we have this ATV, they're going after the ATVs. And I just wanted you to give your take on that and explain that. We have a lot of people in law enforcement who already know the answer, but One thing that Philadelphia has has gotten away from, to my understanding, it used to be if you were on, you you were called to the scene, you would see that case through fruition. But what they went to was kind of a factory, you know, think of the assembly line. So you go to it, maybe you're initially on there, but then you have to pass it off. And so there's not the the follow-up, the old school, hey, I'm on this case, this is my case, and I take pride in that. And they got away from that, which is also community policing. To my knowledge, they're trying to get back to more, you know, the beat cops and that if you are on a major case or or not, maybe it's maybe it's an ATV case. We want to put you in that unit and we want to keep you on that case from start to finish. Just your take on all of that.
0: Well, yeah, this is what they used to call when I was a young cop—the generalist system. This is why, as a patrol cop, I got to work everything from you know, a, a, you know, a traffic ticket to a homicide because that because they know. I mean, we're humans, so when I handle a case, if I can continue being somewhat involved in that case all the way through, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be invested in it. I'm going to work harder and. What that does is it helps me as a young police officer learn so that in 10 years when they when they promote me to detective, I can hit the ground running because I've been involved in all these different cases. So, you know, this this is the thing we we had this theory in the like the late 90s where we said, oh, no, 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 everything's got to be exactly what you said, like an assembly line, like mm-hmm. a factory. You know, the patrolman takes the the report and then we hand it to this kind of detective and then it goes to this sergeant. You know what happens? It gets lost. And 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 so we don't have quite have the detail and the the prosecution and the emotional commitment to that case. So, I mean, task forces are great. I've been on many. But we can't take the human element out of policing. You will never be able to do that. And that is the whole point behind true community policing, where I can go to my neighborhood and I know those people, and I know who belongs where, Mm -hmm. and I know who's involved in what, and that makes me so much more effective. And that helps prevent. We kind of stopped talking about prevention, yeah. you know, because we're in such a re- we're in such a reactive mode mm-hmm. right now. Because again, we're still so short-handed. If we can prevent that crime from happening just by our mere presence or our involvement in the community, that's great for everybody.
1: You are listening to retired Sergeant Betsy Brantner Smith, National Police Association. Really, part of educating. Supporters of law enforcement. And as your site says, standing against anti police rhetoric, you, you know, you're 501c3 nonprofit, national spokesperson. I see you all over the national news. So I thank you, you know, for taking the time with us. And, you know, why is it important that people go to your site? And you have great articles and information, by the way, but also that, that I just want everybody to know you, you can donate,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. We're an absolute nonprofit organization and we are doing everything from trying to use litigation to, you know, communication and advocacy and activism to purchasing body armor for canines for departments who can't afford it. So we, we ask people to sign up for our newsletter at nationalpolice.org and then click that donate button if you want to help us honor and support not just the American law enforcement officer, but the people who support us. We can't do it without uh, your help. We just can't do it. Nationalpolice.org, Don. We appreciate it.
1: Uh, thank you, Betsy. Sergeant Brett, Betsy Brantner-Smith and, yeah, nationalpolice.org talks all about the legal work, litigation, helping, you know, file lawsuits, helping to file f. OIA requests. We've seen our own officers here in Philadelphia and across the country. So there's so much great work that you do, and we thank you. You're just an important voice to us, Betsy.
0: Thanks so much, Don. I appreciate it. Always great to talk to you. <laughs>
1: oh, my pleasure. Until next time, thanks, Betsy.
0: Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone.